Amen. Thank you. Amy and team, thank you very much. Good morning. Before I bring the message, I want to speak to the ladies in our church. You have always been the best group of people here in terms of responding. Now, men, you know you always last minute, right? I know. Every year when we have a men, one men's function, and you're always last minute, but the ladies are not. And that is why I'm going to speak to you in confidence. I'm very confident that you're going to take what I'm going to say to heart. This is a unique opportunity coming up on October 4th. When Elise and her team really diligently worked so hard to make this a time of transformation. But I also know some of you, and you know who you are, you probably looked at the brochure and you saw Michelle Bachman and said, ah, she was a congressman, woman, excuse me, forgive me, congresswoman. Uh, she ran for president. It's going to be about politics. It is not. It's, uh, we, uh, last November, we spent a whole week with Michelle Elizabeth and I, and I'm telling you, she's all about ministry. It's about godly womanhood. That's literally what she breathed. She felt God called her. Even they asked her to run for Senate. She said no. And so, ladies, I really want to challenge you. Don't get just one ticket. Get multiple tickets. Because once the invitation will be open to the city, it will be announced on radio and so forth, there will be influx of people from outside. So we want apostles' women to get blessed first, okay? Amen, ladies? God bless you. I love you dearly. Father, thank you so much for the women's ministry in this church. I thank you for Elise and her team. I thank you, Father, that uh, the passion of their heart is to develop godly womanhood in a world that is becoming darker and darker, a world that is constantly attacking women, especially godly women. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you continue to build in this place uh, godly womanhood and that every event and every function and every Bible study will contribute to their growing in Christ. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In fact, talking about what's happening in our world is everything I read of late indicates that we live in a time when genuine friendship um, becoming rare. Uh, the level of loneliness has been so on the increase. And social media that's supposed to help us is making it worse. Uh, true, lasting loyalty and friendship is becoming few and far between. I mean, read the statistics, and I'm not just building on statistics, and that's why I thank God for the light in this place. Uh, today, most relationships are built on self-interest. What can I get out of it, not what I can give to it? And that is why the story of a genuine, godly, selfless friendship between Prince Jonathan and young David is truly an uplifting, encouraging story. Not long ago, I read, actually several years ago, I read uh, a historic event, a story from history. It's an amazing story about Sir Walter Scott, 
Now, for those of you who don't know the name, I'm sure many of you do, but for those of you who don't know, Sir Walter Scott was the leading literary figure in all of the British Empire. It was said of Sir Walter Scott that no one could write like him. Sometime later, the works of Lord Byron began to appear on the scene. And it became evident to all who read that Lord Byron's work is now eclipsing uh, Sir Walter Scott's writings. Now, Lord Byron was a rascal and an immoral man, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his writing, his work. Uh, Soon after the work of Lord Byron began to appear in the scene and really eclipse that of Sir Walter Scott, an anonymous critic began to write in the newspapers all over England, began to write anonymously, uh, uh, saying this literally critic was declaring that in the presence of brilliant writings and brilliant works of a poetic genius as Lord Byron, Sir Walter Scott is no more. He's, he's no more uh, effective. His writing is no longer, uh, uh, should be considered as uh, the greatest. Well, these writings by this anonymous critic continued for quite a while until it was discovered that this literally critic is no other than Walter Scott himself. Amazing generosity of spirit, magnanimous spirit, just like has been evident in the life of Jonathan, which we read this morning. I want you to think about this with me, okay? Put your thinking cap on. Jonathan was the oldest son of King Saul. Jonathan was King Saul's heir apparent. Uh, Jonathan was Israel's future king. King Jonathan was the crown prince of Israel. I want you to think about this because this is not just an ordinary friendship. This is not just ordinary loyalty and commitment. And yet, when Jonathan saw God's hand of anointing to be on David, he gladly submitted to him. When Prince Jonathan recognized God's anointed man, he committed himself to him. Jonathan's deep spiritual sensitivity led him to humble himself before God's anointed. Now, for our visitors and guests, we began a series entitled The Heart for God, and if you have not been here in the last couple of messages, you can download it. We saw that the first characteristic of a person who has a heart for God is that he's available. And we talked about God is looking for more, more of a, a valuability than ability, because all abilities come from Him. And secondly, we saw uh, how a heart for God allows faith to overwhelm fear. And you remember I said there is no such thing as a fearless person. The difference is between those who allow fear to dominate them and those who allow faith to dominate their fear. And today we're going to see this heart for God, a heart after God's, a man who was courageous without being contemptuous. It's very hard sometimes to find a person who is truly courageous but not contemptuous. Think with me again. Think about this. 
Think of how easy it was for David, this newly proclaimed hero. How easy for him to feel cocky, arrogant, contemptuous, and declare himself to be the wonder kid. But none of that happened with David. None of that. Why? Because David's faith was in God. David's trust was in God. Uh, David's confidence was, came from God, and because he knew that his courage is not of his own, but from God. <laughs> and God gave favor to David with all of the people and with the crown prince Jonathan, but he did not have a favor with the king, Saul. I want you to listen carefully. <laughs> In fact, Saul wanted to kill David instead of thanking him for saving his hide. <laughs> Listen to me. There are many lessons here that we're going to learn. So I hope that you even taking notes either mentally or write them down or on your iPhone or iPad because there's some wonderful lessons here from the Word of God. And here's some of those. Listen, are you listening? Say amen. amen. The God who calls you to a task is the God who will equip you for the task. The God who called you to a task is the very God who will use you, even uses uh, inconceivable people and events to fulfill His purpose for you to accomplish the task that He called you to do. Let me give you some other biblical examples. In Genesis 39, 21, we read that the Lord gave favor to Joseph with the prison keeper. In Exodus 3, 21, the Lord caused the Egyptians to have, for the Israelites to have favor with the Egyptians. Now, that's what you call a miracle. Hello? So much so that the Egyptians literally gave the Israelites their wealth as they were leaving the country. God is the one who gives the favor. In Esther chapter 5, verse 2, it was God who gave Esther favor in the sight of the king. I want you to listen. Please, please, please understand. Do not undermine God's favor in your life. Please do not minimize God's favor in your life. Please do not take God's favor for granted and think that all of your blessings and all of your successes uh, are due to you and to your ingenuity. Why am I saying this? Because undermining God's favor in your life, undermining it will always, uh, will always uh, keep you in a state of arrogance. But when you don't undermine that favor, when you understand this favor, when you comprehend this favor, when you appreciate deeply, continuously, that favor of God is going to keep you humble before God. The reason David's courage and victory never turned into contempt is because he knew that the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that with me? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, beloved, the reason we're seeing a rash of suicide among the celebrities and the rich and the famous is because they gave themselves all of the credit. 
They really have. And, 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 and this is not new. It's always it's been the case. And we've seen it all the time. Multimillionaire George Vanderbilt took his own life by jump, jumping out of a hotel room. Um, Lester Hunt, who was a governor of Wyoming twice and then was elected in the U.S. Senate, took his own life. Uh, think of actress Marilyn Monroe or singer Elvis Presley or, or writer er- Ernest Hemingway. All of them. The list goes on and on and on. Why? All have one thing in common. In common, they were dissatisfied with their worldly success and decided to take their own life. But when you give God all of the glory, all of the credit, and recognize the favor of God, you will live above the circumstances. Can I get an amen? amen. In fact, back in 1966, one year before this great, great, brilliant physicist, Robert Oppenheimer, died. Here's what he said. One year before he died, I am a complete failure. See, when you do not only believe, but also practice and and wholeheartedly live in the fact that God is the source of all of your blessings. He is the giver of every success you have. You're not going to despise yourself. You're just going to praise God. David's success was great success by any standards. We saw that in the last couple of weeks. But you have to remember, as I said in the big, very beginning, most people only know the two events in David's life. His killing of Goliath and his adultery of Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah. But there's more to David than this, and we're going to be seeing this for, for, for many weeks to come. David recognized that his success, that his victory was of the Lord, through the Lord, and to the glory of the Lord. Question, how do you view your success? How do you view the blessings that God placed in your hands? How do you, how do you view them? Now, uh, listen, I know I've lived long enough to have seen this. A lot of people, particularly in the church, they give God lip service. Oh, yeah, yeah, all the blessings come from God, and then they're just going to move on. (laughs) They live as if it's not really. What they say and what they do are two different things. Look at verse 4 with me. I hope you have your Bible open in front of you. Look at verse 4. I want to show you how easy it was for David, so easy, to feel enamored. You know what I mean by that? enamored by Prince Jonathan's recognition of his success. Man, even the prince. Jonathan took off his princely robe with his armor and gave it to David. You know what Prince Jonathan is doing here? You know what he's doing? He was taking off the insignia of his princely life in the palace. He was taking off the armor of his professional profession as a warrior. He was taking off whatever rights and privileges he had as a prince, as a crown prince, and willingly surrendering it to God's anointed. I, hope, I just hope 
that you see the enormity. I know that in our egalitarian society and where everybody's equal and all this stuff, we, we don't comprehend this. This, I, I, I don't know how else to, to explain it to you. This is enormous in, in the context of the day. Somebody say, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. Trust me. <laughs> when Jonathan gave David his sword and his bow, these were the weapons that represented his responsibility as a second in command in the palace of the king. Not only that, but Prince Jonathan also gave David his belt. Now, you've got to understand this belt. This is just that's not a, a leather belt that he just took off and handed it to him. <laughs> this is the most prized possession for a wealthy warrior. Because in the belts, they stored, they, these rich warriors kept their money and their treasure. And that belt represented Prince Jonathan's wealth. Hear me right, please. Listen carefully. It doesn't matter how many times you say, I love God, I love Jesus. It doesn't matter. You can say it all day long. Uh, without sharing your blessing that He has given you. It's all talk. Without opening your treasure house and your treasure box and giving back to God's anointed Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, all of the sanctimonious talk will be just that, talk. Back to David. I sometimes go from preaching to meddling. I go back to preaching. But also meddling is good for your soul. Amen? Three of you agree. <laughs> After victory over Goliath, every poll in the land showed that if David runs for office, he would get 90% of the vote. That's right. Gallup did it. You say, well, how come? Well, not only did the crown prince gave him allegiance and paid him homage and loyalty, but David became extremely popular. He really did. He became very popular with the masses. I know. In our culture, we love heroes, right? Somebody didn't kill a mouse. Oh, he's a hero. Somebody risked a, a, a cat. Well, he's a hero. I mean, we're looking for heroes in every place. If we can't find them, we'll make them. I'll move on. I'm seeing the Spirit of God is bringing conviction here. But prior to the defeat of Goliath, Israel was in such low state of morale. I mean, really, you've got to understand it when you read the Scripture. They were, they were so down below the ground. And that is why that victory lifted them all up. Please listen to me. If this has been a modern-day occurrence, uh, let me translate it into modern-day, okay? If this was a, a, a modern-day occurrence, you would have seen David's face plastered all on every cereal box and on every billboard and every train station on the side of every bus. The T-shirt manufacturing company couldn't keep them because of the demand. The baseball caps manufacturing couldn't keep them in stock. David, David, David. 
Uh, but that comes at a price. <laughs> that comes at a price. Dear old King Saul, he sees all of this, and he gets totally bent out of shape, to put it mildly. So what does he do? You know the saying, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer? That's what he did. <laughs> he kept him in the palace, and he kept him under the thumb. One day, King Saul and David were going to Gibeah. That's where they're from. They're going to Gibeah. That's, that's Washington, D.C. That's the capital city. Now, that is 15 miles away from the Valley of Elah where the fighting was taking place, where David slayed Goliath, 15 miles away. I mean, you would think that the further away from the battlefield, particularly those days when the news, they did not have radio and television, and the news doesn't spread that fast. But here they are, 15 miles away, and yet people uh, knew what happened in the battlefield. Uh, they heard the news as far away as Gibeah. And then, to everyone's surprise, the women in town wrote and composed a song. And it was number one hit in all of the charts. It really was. I mean, every desk jockey was playing that song. It was that popular. Uh, it went viral on Facebook and Twitter and, and YouTube. I mean, it was, it was number one. And the song went something like this. No, I'm not going to sing it. I don't even know the tune. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. How do you think Saul was feeling? Well, you already heard it in the Scripture. I think smoke in the eye, sand in the teeth, wouldn't hurt that much than this. And seeing that he was totally discredited in favor of Jonathan. So when they arrived to the next town, away from hometown, they found that the souvenir shops selling those T-shirts and David caps with the slogans like, David did it. I saw David do it. <laughs> David has my vote. <laughs> or, don't blame me, I voted for David. <laughs> To add insult to injury, the manufacturing company began to produce David Doll. You know what I'm talking about? David Doll and, 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 and David Bobbing Head. <laughs> Some of my rascal's colleagues in this place, which shall remain nameless, they were at a fair somewhere and, and they saw Spurgeon Doll Bobbing Head for sale, so they brought me one. <laughs> I wouldn't touch that head out of respect for the man. <laughs> I wouldn't let him bob like that. Replicas of David's sling, man, I mean, they were in demand. Every kid wanted to have one. Why I'm spending time exaggerating, or well, really I'm not exaggerating, like a friend of mine said, I'm just blowing it up so you can see it. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Well, it's a reason for that. It's a reason for that. I want to communicate to you as much as you can in the 21st century, the enormity of that, what that success did for David and, and for, the, for Israel. 
the enormity also of the anger and the bitterness of King Saul. Twice in chapter 18 of 1 Samuel. Can you see them? Twice. Saul's throw his spear at David, wanting to kill him, <laughs> and twice God saved him. Instead of Saul being grateful to David, Saul wanted to kill him. I know that many of you will understand what I'm going to say. Sometimes the people that you help the most are the ones who turn on you. What do you do? You go to God. You give him all of the glory. And I'm going to show you here from the life of David. Remember the last message I told you that fear destroys your abilities. Fear destroys your dreams. Fear destroys relationships. Here you see fear blinds soul. Blinds him with insane jealousy. So much so that he wanted to kill the very man who saved the nation. Please hear me right. Whenever you experience triumph in your life, remember that. Remember when it comes. Remember where you heard it. You heard it from me. Whenever you have a triumph in life, be ready because trouble will follow. Hello. Am I telling the truth? Yes. Trouble always follows at the heel of triumph. The praise of the women's song gave way to the pain that Saul inflicted on David. The popularity of yesterday led to dodging bullets today. Uh, I want to tell you, and this is true of life. I know you know that. It's, it's true of life. Uh, one day you'll be riding high, and the next you're having a hard time getting out of bed. One day you're on top, of this, on, your, uh, on top of your proverbial world, and then a few days later you're down at the dumps. One of the old Puritans put it this way. Listen carefully. Build not your nest in any earthly tree, for the whole forest is doomed to destruction. <laughs> Listen carefully. People can praise you one day and then curse you the next day. That's why people are fickle. People generally are fickle. They can lift you up one day, and they can try to pull you down the next. People, by nature, are fickle. They will flatter you one day, and then they will knife you the next. Uh, people can thank you one day, ignore you the next. People can honor you one day, and then dishonor you the next. And this was true of Jesus. On Sunday, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then four days later, they said what? Crucify crucify. And that is why, listen to me very carefully. Please, if you switched off, I want you to get back here. <laughs> I want to tell you absolutely the truth here. The only person that you seek to please with all of your life is Jesus. He never lets you down. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He will stick to you closer than a brother. His friendship to you is for all of eternity. And there is nothing that you can say or do that makes him stop loving you. Talk about friendship. There is no friend like Jesus. There is no companion like Jesus. 
There is no comforter like Jesus. There is no lover like Jesus. And when you place your whole affection on Jesus, you will find that people's praise or criticism are equal to you. And that is why to David, people's praise or Saul's hatred did not embitter his spirit. It didn't embitter his spirit. His courage never gave way to contempt. Oh, he did some things, and I'll be coming to this, and I'm going to tell you, he, 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 he allowed his fear to take hold of him, and he ran. I went to the king of Achish, and I'll show you this. Yes, but never, never, never one time he tries to take matters into his hands. So what does Saul do? Well, he realized he couldn't get a, get a excuse me, I only stutter when I speak. He, he, he realized that, that he couldn't get, get rid of David. So what does he do? He puts him on the ticket as his running mate and makes him vice president. <laughs> he actually devised a diabolical plan. First, He will try to get the Philistines to do his dirty work and kill David. And every time Saul said to David, go on and get 100 Philistines, he brings up 200. <laughs> Beloved, I want you to listen to me. Please listen to me and, and, and take this to heart. When you are in God's protection program, you can be absolutely sure that nothing and no one will touch you or harm you. When you have God's favor, no matter who does what, you are untouchable until God takes you home. When you are, when you are enlisted in the army of the living God, your commander-in-chief will ensure that you are invincible until time to go home. When you have God's anointing, the enemy of your soul might huff and puff, but you stand. Amen. Look at verse 12 with me. Look at verse 12. It's an amazing verse. Underline it. If you have your Bible, underline it. Uh, write it out, actually. Just, just, I want you to meditate on it, not just for today or the week or the month. I want you to meditate on it for the rest of your life because it's a powerful verse. And Saul was afraid of David. <laughs> Think about this. Why? Because the Lord was with him, and he departed from Saul. I want you to think about this long and long and hard. Saul, the king, with all of the regalia and the power of the king, he was afraid of a shepherd boy. Think about it. Now, beloved, when you are in <laughs> with your Lord, you have nothing to fear. Can I get an Amen. Let me repeat that. When you are in with the Lord, you have nothing to fear. In fact, the very people who hate you, we don't hate anybody, but the very people who may hate you, they will fear you. The very people who plot against you will fear you. The very people who set themselves as your enemies, we don't set ourselves as enemies of anybody, but those who set themselves as your enemies, uh, they will fear you. Uh, the very people uh, who resent you, they're actually standing in awe of you. 
I'm going to show you in the next message how David, as I mentioned, not one time in contempt, tried to take matters into his own hands. Oh, my goodness. Why should he? (laughs) Because he knew God is going to do a much better job. Listen to me. David was contented to wait for God's timing. I want to repeat that. David was contented to wait for God's timing. I've told you before, and I'm going to say it till I die because it's my testimony. Every time I mess up, every time I get into trouble, it is the time when I take matters into my own hands. When I go ahead of the Lord, when I don't wait for His timing, when I don't wait for His program, when I don't seek to serve His purpose in my life, instead of trying to go to business for myself and do things my way. King Herod, powerful king all over Judea, was terrified of a peasant by the name of John the Baptist. Why? because of John the Baptist's blazing integrity. Beloved, listen to me. When you walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, even those who do not fear God will fear you. Can you imagine that? And that's really what the text is saying. And so when that plan did not work out, Saul came with a second plan, plan B. Second plan to get rid of David is that he reneges in giving his eldest daughter in marriage to David. You remember last time, the three times David would ask, you know, what does the promise the king promise to give the one who kills Goliath? And three times they tell him, you know, get his daughter's hand in marriage and tax holiday for life and, and, and fortune. Three things. And the first thing was to have his daughter married to David, but he reneges on that, and he wouldn't let give him his daughter. Do you know what Saul is doing here? <laughs> Most likely... He wanted to provoke David into mutiny. Most likely, he wanted to provoke David into rebellion. He wanted to provoke David and give him the excuse to publicly execute him. But I want you to notice what David said. Listen to me. (laughs) This man messed up royally, and we will see that. But listen, listen, this is precious. This is absolutely priceless. (laughs) Who am I? Who am I to be considered the king's son-in-law? The hero. The one for whom everybody's singing. The popular, popular, most popular person in the land. Who am I? Who am I? Beloved, the Scripture is very clear. God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. The Lord Jesus himself said, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I'm going to come to an end very shortly. But I want to Prepare our hearts to come to the stable of the Lord. And I don't want you to walk with your bitterness, with your anger, and with your frustrations, with everything that you're carrying. I I want you maybe to come down and then place them at the altar.
I want to prepare your heart. I want to prepare my heart. And whether you are in this, here in this beautiful sanctuary or watching around the world, people watching all over the globe, sometimes live, sometimes on the archive the next day, I want to speak to that person who may be just now tempted to take things into their hands. I want to speak to that person who wants to settle accounts his or her way. I want to speak to that person who is moved into the driver's seat and pushed God out into the passenger seat. I want to speak to those who are getting tired of waiting and they want to do something. Wait for God's timing. His plan for your life is far better than you can ever imagine. And I'm so glad that I can stand here those many years later and testify that my plans were rotten. They would have got me dead by now. God's plan is much better. Don't be tempted to sin in your heart because you have waited and God has not answered you yet. Here's the word, yet. Someone here watching around the world may be tempted to make the clock strike before the hour. Are you listening to me? Listen carefully. I know I'm speaking to someone. I don't know who, but I know I'm speaking someone, to someone. So listen to what I'm going to tell you. Trust in God's timing, not yours. Do not, please, I'm pleading with you. I have no authority other than the Word of God. Do not let your impatience and haste bring you trouble instead of triumph. Be like Jonathan. Hand over your armor to God's anointed Messiah. Can you do that today? Like Jonathan, hand over your belt, the source of your inner security. Give it to Jesus. He'll give you greater security than you ever hope. Like Jonathan, recognize the Savior of your life. Like Jonathan, surrender what you perceive to be yours and just watch out and see what God will do. Listen, I say this, and that's not just my testimony. I know hundreds of you can testify to this. Are you ready? Are you ready to give it to God and trust Him with all of your heart? Let that be the prayer of your heart as you walk down these aisles and participate in the very bread and wine that represents the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus that was torn and shed for you on the cross. Give us the most. Nobody could give any more than that. The perfect, sinless Son of God died for you. And as Paul said, will He not, will He not give us all things? Will you pray with me? I ask you to stand in respect and honor to God's anointed Messiah, the Lord Jesus.
in the privacy of your seat. If you're a person who had never received Jesus as Savior and Lord, this is a great opportunity to say, Lord, I know I've been missing out on all of this, knowing that my sins are forgiven, that I have a place at the table with you, and you can do that now. For those who have known the Lord for so long, or maybe a short time, and carrying these huge burdens because they feel it's up to them to make things happen, say, Lord, help me to trust you and trust your timing. Father God, we are truly a privileged people. With all of our sins and failures and foibles and weaknesses, you love us and you call us by name. And your son Jesus gave his life so that he would make it possible for us to call you Abba. Father, you know every heart. You know where every person is, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every other way. Holy Spirit, would you minister to each of us? And then give us the courage to dump it all on Jesus because he already took it all on the cross, on his precious cross. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remain standing as we sing together. Thanks, Paul.